What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to the podcast. My name is Will, and this week we have a very special guest for you guys. Um, it is a person who has been on the podcast before. He is a friend of the podcast and a good friend of mine. Uh, Philip Karsha is back on the podcast. This time around, we're talking about Philip's most recent effort in which he and Andrew Soares uh, went and ripped the FKT, the new record for the winter New Hampshire 4,000 footers. For any of you who listen to the podcast regularly, you know that the New Hampshire 4,000 footers hold a special place in my heart. And watching Philip and Andrew go out there and just kill this record um, was really cool to watch. They took over a day off of the record, coming in at about five days, 19 hours. Um, and it's just really, really cool to see them go out and torch it. This was a very long episode, so I'm going to split it into two parts because uh, it, we ended up having over three hours of content. Uh, and on that note, I apologize in advance. You know, there there were some spots in here that needed editing, and I edited, I think, all the trouble spots. But if there's any if there's any weirdness in there, just know that I tried my best, and uh, you guys know um, what you're getting into with this particular podcast. So <laughs> I hope you guys enjoy. I enjoyed it a lot and it was a great conversation. Towards the end of the episode, we opened it up to Instagram live and took some questions. Um, we talk about a bunch of other stuff during this episode too. So we talk about um, Philip's various other efforts during the year, which included uh, his 24 hours of Wachusett, his eight days for the um, Northeast Ultra 8, and a couple of other things, the White Mountains Wilderness Route, uh, a lot of cool stuff that Philip did this year. We sort of uh, talked about his year in review. We also talked about the, um, you know, a couple episodes ago, Xander Keiter and I had a pretty lengthy conversation about winter efforts because uh, while Philip was doing his Winter 48, I, at the same time, went out and did the Winter Hut Traverse FKT, um, and I had some thoughts about winter efforts and winter records. Uh, Philip had very different opinions, and that was awesome. We talked about it a bunch in this episode, and um, I had a great time, guys. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode as much as I did. It is always a pleasure for me to hang out with Philip and just talk to him and see what he's up to. He's one of the craziest mofos in the White Mountains, and it's always a great time. Real quick, before we get to the episode, let me tell you guys about the sponsor for this week's episode, which is Infinite Nutrition. Infinite is a total nutrition powder that you mix into your water. Uh, you drink it, and you have all the nutrients you need to keep going forever. Uh, I personally use Infinite for all of my big efforts. I used it for the long trail. I used it for both the supported and unsupported 48. used it at Bubba's. I uh, used it at uh, the Winter Hut Traverse. Basically, any big effort that I've done in the last four years, I have been on almost 100% infinite. I like uh, infinite because it is customizable and because it simplifies my nutrition. So uh, if you go to infinite, they can, uh, they'll give you a free consultation to help you design a custom blend that has just the right formula of carbs and protein and salt and all that for you. Um, and uh, really, you don't have to think about it. Like As long as you drink one serving of infinite per hour, you are good to go. Um, so if you want to try infinite go on over to their website, which is in the show notes. Um, that's infinite nutrition spelled like the word infinite, but without an E on the end and use the code from the back country for 15% off your entire order. Um, that includes custom blends. And again, their, uh, consultations to form a custom blend are totally free. So give them a call, see if it's right for you. And, um, yeah, that is it guys. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Talk to you next time. Peace. Peace.
Got off Mount Musalak. Um, just had a little little chill time this morning up in the up mm-hmm. in the snow and ice. Mm-hmm. And um, we're here. We're here to talk about the year. Uh, we're here to uh, to just rip Xander for two hours. <laughs> the blades are sharp, man. <laughs> Is gritting adventure. The blades are sharp, Xander. Get ready. Um, yeah. So, so um, the 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 most pressing thing uh, that we can we can start with and then and then maybe go back a ways is you're just a few days off, or maybe a week or two now. I don't. When did you finish? Anyway, uh, just did the New Hampshire Forty Eight Winter FKT um, with. Good old Andrew Soares. Yes. Uh, you guys, you guys killed it by over a day. Thank you. Yeah. And um, congratulations. Thank you, sir. How are you feeling? Um. Well, you know, it's funny when our hike started this morning. Um, I kind of asked you candidly, like, you know, are you trying to run any of this stuff? Because, <laughs> and um, you know, you said you had been feeling feeling it after your hot tut effort, which, by the way, congratulations. Thank you. I know. <laughs> wish that to you on the trail, but. Um, yeah, I asked you if you, if you wanted to run and you kind of shook it off a little bit and that made me feel good. Cause, uh, I've been feeling good, man, but like, you know, pretty, pretty tired. Um, just catching up on sleep and, um, the legs definitely don't feel as strong as they would mm-hmm. had we not, you know, gone out and, uh, and hiked all those mountains as, as quickly as we did in the conditions that we did. But like overall, man, um, feeling good, like very proud of that effort it was uh the best case scenario in terms of like how i saw the end of my year unfolding project wise yeah um, it was like to slide in you know literally the last week of the year and take on something really really big mm-hmm. um something that i'd kind of been building towards all year obviously you know like the satisfaction that comes with having something like that unfold um yeah. in a successful manner so it's been dude it's been Yes, it's been good. Yeah, so the year unfolding, we can we can talk about that. This is mm-hmm. was there was there a break? Was there any break in between your single year grid and the first attempt at the at the guide or was it like like have you so like 3 years you you spent on the on the guide the year before that was it the grid or is there a break year? This is interesting. Yeah, if you want to really go back, I mean, all 2017-ish, I was training for the grid. Yep. Starting in 2018, August, mm-hmm. through July 2019, mm-hmm. I was working on the single-year grid. And then less than a year later, so June 2020, right. I was on the guidebook project and then, of course, we all know the kind of heartbreak that was involved in, you know, <laughs> trying to reach that single season standard, you know, hiking the, the White Mountains Guide in a single season um, and not reaching the mark, you know, two two years in a row. Um, 
so I think you're kind of your line of questioning is leading towards yeah is is this is this like was there any break in between you know finishing the guidebook and and starting up on this like string of projects that well, I and I think I think it's noteworthy that you this is sort of the first year in a long time that you've sort of taken a step back from the like big multi-month projects and how how did like what what made you decide to 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 take at least one year away from those projects what um you know give us give us sort of maybe like a a little short uh summary of the different projects you took on this year and then we'll take Mm -hmm. them piece by piece um like what what made you decide to take on some shorter stuff and and go away from the multi-month stuff this year what like how did you decide on these different projects and um and talk to me about like the progression throughout the year i really really appreciate this line of questioning this is something (laughs) that i've thought about a lot and it was like very intentional so i appreciate you just like even kind of seeing what i was what i was trying to do yeah man like i kind of just spelled this out um for multiple years, I guess the better part of five years, I was either training slash planning for or executing a multi-month, multi-thousand mile project in the White Mountains of New Hampshire between the single year grid effort and between the single season White Mountains guide effort, all, all three um, all three attempts. Mm-hmm. And even though I really feel like that is kind of like my brand of endurance up here for lack of a better description like those are kind of the types of projects that you know not only have I become quote known for but just the ones that I kind of like push and market as like what I'm most interested in what I'm best in I like going multi day week month like the longer the project for me the more interested um the more the more interesting the more appealing um so it was very much like what I think people have have what I think it's very much what I think people have become sort of accustomed to when they look at the projects that I take on. Um, but the issue is, you know, while you're out there, like year after year, working on these projects that consume the majority of your time, you just start accumulating all of these other little interesting conceptual projects in your mind you're out there like walking all these miles just thinking 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 you're Mm -hmm. constantly in that like project mindset because you're either planning or you're executing but you can't really justify the additional output that that it would require to take that stuff on in the same year that you're like dedicating all this time and money and effort into like trying to get through the single year grid, grid, trying to get through, you know, the single season White Mountains Guide. Mm -hmm. And so when I finally hit that mark in 2022, the single season, you know, White Mountains Guide finally got through it in a, in a single season. I knew for sure, at least in the short term, that my project life or, or, or my sort of like journey taking on these projects was going to look a little bit different because I just felt like I had all this shit built up in my chest in terms of ideas and just cool stuff that like people were, you know, I'd get little, little emails about like, yo, do you think this is possible? Like, what do you think about this idea? And in my head, I'm like, shit, I've been thinking about this for, you know, a long (laughs) time. And now other people are, you know, these, just these ideas, these visions build up. Um, and so, you know, pretty much immediately after I got 
the White Mountains Guide as quickly as I wanted to. That that fall and leading into the winter, it became obvious. I was like, you know what? I'm gonna just like get into a very l- relaxed but consistent mode of training where I'm like really kind of like focused on having a good time, but also like keeping enough structure in what I'm doing where I know I'm slowly building fitness. I'm, I'm staying in, in like a, a good weight range for like my running and projecting um, and, and, and use that as a lead into effectively like a, a June through December mm-hmm. um, project season for me, like in the White Mountains and, and really all across the Northeast. Um, so it was very intentional, man, for me to take a step back from like the big boys. Also just like financially, dude. Sure. Like, yeah. damn, like I went through <laughs> so much, just, yeah, so much bread, like, you know, those three summers and during the single year grid, just, yeah, the act of walking on trail is free, but when you're taking on projects that consume such a huge portion of your time for months and months and months. I mean, like it's, it's a huge hit on like, yeah, just your whole financial setup. I mean, like you're spending a lot of your own money. Mm -hmm. Um, you're not, you're in a position where you can't really generate a lot of money because you're like just out hiking full time. Um, so it didn't really make sense for me to jump into like another year long project. And, you know, therefore, man, it's just like, oh my God, like 2023 started and it was just like, yo, this, the, the, like the sky's the limit. Like I've got a list of 25 different single day, multi-day projects mm-hmm. in my notion template that like, I just got to pick from and see like what works for me. And there's you know, different projects have different urgencies and like, you know, different priorities. But I was like, dude, I'm going to swing on as many of these this year (laughs) as, as makes sense, especially again, because I'm getting these emails in and people are like naming these superlatives and projects. Um, you know, one of them being like this idea of hiking the Northeast ultra eight in eight days, Mm -hmm. um, which like we can get into, but, um, you know, they're kind of spelling this stuff out in my DMs and they're asking if I think it's possible. And again, in my brain, I'm like, damn, like (laughs) thinking about this for a minute, man, you know? And, um, it just, it was like, okay, this is an opportunity to just swing on a bunch of different interesting projects, stuff that I felt was, you know, had some, some, some degree of pioneership and, you know, really felt like I was, um, able to move away from that just singular long distance, one big project for, multiple months and just i don't know dude just get a little like like i i see the appeal now like you guys taking on these this you know you able to go through two or three i mean dude you Mm. yourself this year you took on three fucking big boy projects man like over the course of your season like that had to have felt pretty like you got to feel like you're getting a lot done like when you're able to kind of like tick through projects and have that win and then have that win and then have that win it's a different feeling i think than the slow grind of mm-hmm. like month after month after month no reward and then finally you get what you're you know what you're looking for and sure you know it just kind of like yeah it kind of fades off i don't know it's 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 been interesting yeah that's interesting yeah um so what was the what was the first well first of all we've seen uh bits and pieces of this list of projects on your <laughs> on your Instagram story but you have most of it like whited out yeah can i see it later and then i won't tell anyone um 
Yeah, I'll send it to you. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll see. Yeah, fuck it. Uh, you gotta sign an NDA, bro. I'll sign an NDA. Yeah, you're gonna be a doctor and shit. Like my, if you, uh, my podcast listeners get nothing. If you violate these clauses, man, like I got, I gotta collect financially from uh, <laughs> Doctor Will Peterson. No. I'm yeah. Kidding. Also, my biggest takeaway from that, uh, from that thing you just, that 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 thing, uh, that that um, dialogue you just had was if you've got a project. Don't tell Philip about it because he'll jump you on it. Well, no, you know what's funny is like with the Northeast Ultra Eight. Um, I mean, my response was the same to everybody. Like, because gen, like generally, people would say, "Hey, have you heard of the Northeast Ultra Eight? Do you think it'd be possible to get these in eight consecutive days?" And I think people were making the correlation because they saw what I was doing mm-hmm. with the White Mountains Guide, and they figured, like, "Oh, this dude's jumping from." Area to area to area, putting in long miles every day, the driving component. There is a similar feel. For sure. And my response was always the same. Yes, it can be done. You will get to it before I get the chance to. Mm, Interesting. And then you all slept on it for like a couple years. And so as soon as like... I remember you and I talking about this like two years ago. I'm sure we did, (laughs) man. I'm sure we did. And I never really imagined that I'd have the opportunity to step up to the plate Mm -hmm. because I wasn't willing to try it on a year that I was doing like the White Mountains Guide project. I saw the White Mountains Guide project as like much more important, much more important in my own personal narrative. Mm -hmm. Um, But honestly, I just thought that someone else would get to it beforehand. So as soon as I free myself from the shackles <laughs> of the White Mountains guy, dude, and it's like, what's top priority right. on this list? Four mm. to six projects, like 2023 I can do. That was like on the fucking top because yeah. I was like, fools want this. Yeah. Like, and and like, I don't even care about the, yes, of course, by default, that becomes the fastest known time and blah, 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 blah. I don't even care about that, man. It's like the eight days the eight consecutive days and conceptually approaching the project in that way, mm-hmm. people will come along and they will do that quicker, undoubtedly. Sure. Hopefully myself being one of them. Because I think like sub sub seven days on that is like 100%. Sure, sure, sure. 100% doable. Um, even for someone, you know, like me. Uh, but yeah, man, I just, I don't know. It just... Doing it in eight consecutive days feels like a first that, you know, you go for it one time. Like, you know, we were, what we were saying like earlier, like some of this stuff, it's you're playing for fucking keeps. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, yeah, people will like whittle that down to whatever they will. Sure. But the idea, the, the concept, the, the concept of doing it in eight consecutive days, approaching it from that standpoint and executing it. Mm-hmm. As as the first person to do so, to me, it's like that's something no one will ever get back. And yeah, it was yeah. like really lovely to be able to just I don't know to be able to do that and go through that experience and see the the list in that way. Yeah. Um, but that was not the first project on yes. the on the summer. Uh, first project was something that I call the Watch You Sit twenty four hour. Yep. And the premise is simple: um, you climb Mount Watch You Sit as many times as you can in a calendar day, 24 hour period, starting at midnight, ending at midnight. I started doing this, I think three years ago. Um, and have hiked the same trail, every single attempt. It's a mountain house trail, um, choppy little trail, very wet, very rocky, very rooty. 
Um, not a lot of runnable portions. It's not the longest trail on the, on the mountain. It's not the shortest trail on the mountain, but you know, you climb about 800 feet in like nine tenths of a mile. Mm-hmm. So it's 1.8 miles round trip. Um, so what's the appeal of that trail? If it's not longest, not short, is it like, is it consistent grade? Like what, what draws you to that trail? It's, it's a consistent grade. I think it's a good bang for your buck. Mm-hmm. You know, you'll get similar elevation on other trails and link ups. Um, on various locations of the mountain, but you'll probably be traveling maybe twice the distance, maybe a little bit less. Sure. So it's steep top to finish. Mm-hmm. It definitely commands your respect and attention if you're going to be repeating it, you know, all day long. There's just a ton of, of suboptimal sort of rock hopping combinations where there's just no way for you to like really wail down it um, without some, some, some kind of caution. Sure. Um, and I like that, you know, if you're going to be like on the mountain for 24 hours, that unto itself is like a daunting task, but mm-hmm. like, don't want to give people like too easy of a, <laughs> too easy of a trail. And, and by people, I really mean like, you know, myself, because there aren't folks out there repeating this. I'm not necessarily competing with anybody. Sure. I'm going out on my own accord and, you know, in 24, you know, over a 24 hour period starting and ending at midnight. And, you know, I've been trying to improve on the superlative um, every single year. And so, yeah, June 21st this year, um, was able to get 35 summits, which is an all time best for me. Um, improved on my mark by four summits, which felt like a little bit of a mini breakthrough. I didn't reach my, my a goal. I really think like 40 summits is within my capacity. Um, What's the, what's the, the vert and mileage of 35 summits for the people at home? For the people at home, um, about 65, 66 miles. Nice. And um, we're talking about, yeah, I think it was like just under 30,000 feet, maybe like 27,000. Yep. It wasn't quite an Everest, which I was really, yeah, I missed like two goals. I really wanted to get the 40. And if I didn't get the 40, I wanted to at least do like the whole Everesting yeah. thing where you go out and you get the, the elevation of Everest in a, in a single day, which is like what, 29,000 feet yeah, or something. About. Yeah. I think I just missed that. Um, but at the same time, man, I feel, I sort of sleep well with this idea that if there's, um, if there's kind of a, a story of endurance, like on Wachusett mountain, mm-hmm um being written it's kind of being written now and i feel like it's being written like with these efforts like yes you have stuff like the mid-state massive it's an organized ultra marathon goes over mount wachusett we've Mm -hmm. had like the north face come in and they've done organized ultra marathon races like on the wachusett property or like utilizing a portion of the wachusett um state park Mm -hmm. but this feels like strictly mount wachusett Mount Wachusett, hiking, running, endurance, culture, you know, these projects aren't really being attempted by other people. And um, I think regardless of that, like continue to kind of push like what's what's possible out there. I mean, you have somebody like Larson, right? Um, who, who we were just talking about earlier, you know, he like he comes on to Wachusett, like he could absolutely push this into into the into the 40 summit range. Mm-hmm. Um, he's such a talented guy and he's so fast and he's a scrappy, gritty, you know, dude from southern New Hampshire. Um, who, you know, for folks who are listening um who don't know, um Larson's the individual who currently holds the 
um, 24-hour record on Mount Monadnock. Yeah. Um, also the double Prezi. And the double, yeah, which is insane. <laughs> yeah. Um, he actually, yesterday, he just he just took on um, the Ranbar. Yeah, it was that. So for anyone, I, I believe he, he tagged me in this post. I, I don't remember exactly talking about this with Drummond, but apparently I talked about it with Drummond on the, on with Andrew Drummond on the episode that I, I had remember him it. on. Um, yep. it's, but it's the, it's like the Randolph to, to Bartlett. Correct. Over the presidentials, apparently very gnarly route. I would imagine, I think it, it doesn't go up like King Ravine. It's, it goes up some gnarly trail, which would be not <laughs> any fun to go up in the winter. Yeah. I don't know what, what I think Andrew went up King Ravine. I don't know if Larson like followed that exact um but he yeah. did label it the randolph bartlett traverse uh-huh. so my thought would be like he didn't default to something like the airline trail or the or the valley way trail even though those sure. might qualify to a certain degree yeah um, i actually i have no idea if you took those larson that's fine we're not yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well i mean dude king ravine would be i mean it's if you, any one of those three trails that yeah. come out of king ravine yeah. um has got to be choppy, <laughs> yeah. icy as fuck. So yeah. like, yeah, if he did take it insane, if he didn't understandable. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's like, I mean, I remember Andrew talking about it and I, I don't know how it was on my radar before now, but, um, yeah, this, this dude Larson, you know, he's, he's got the, I think it's like 18 summits of Manadnock. In a 24-hour period. I don't think it's a calendar day. I think it's a 24-hour period. 24-hour period. Just based on where he started and stopped. What's the verb in Adnock? Like 1,500? Dude, he... Oh, I'm not really sure. Like a one-way trip up? Yeah. Um, I'm not sure, but he was like well over 30,000 feet. It's crazy. Man. Man. Like well over 30,000 yeah. feet. And like a, a mul- like multiple attempt project where mm-hmm. he like went out, didn't hit the standard. This is... I'm I'm saying all this stuff. I believe it is correct. Um, actually, you need to get Larson on this pod. I know. Yo, Larson, <laughs> I don't know where you are, dude, but like, you need to get on this podcast and tell your story, man, because you've got you've done some very very cool stuff, and uh, yeah, we wanna we wanna we wanna hear the facts, my brother, from from the wolf's mouth. So no pressure, though. Um, but yeah, no pressure. But uh, I believe it was 18 summits um, that he's got. So if he came along and did something on Wachusett, man, like come on, man, like he would you know rip that open. Um, so it'll be interesting to see where this story of endurance on what you said is yeah. going and where it continues to get written. There's other projects aside from like a single day standard that I really want to pursue exclusively on Mount what you said. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think will help kind of further that narrative of, of just like endurance within the state park itself. Sure. Um, but that could be something that, you know, um, I got a few more swings on, man. Like, it was a great opener for the year. Um, all of this stuff was kind of building in the hopes to get to the White Mountains New Hampshire 48 winter record at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. So, like, all of these little smaller projects were kind of designed to get me in a good place. And just, you know, we weren't going to be doing any 60-mile days on the New Hampshire, you know, the New Hampshire 48. But yeah. I think it's good, man, to just, like, get some really long distance efforts, even if they're like training-ish efforts, which 100%. it was, it was slow, dude. It was a super slow day, but it just gets the body waking up, the rust off, it keeps the body weight locked in. I know I've mentioned that a few times, but just really operating in that op- optimal kind of like weight class that you, you feel good on. Tra- like, I know that like, dude, if I'm 
I mean, I'm not a very tall guy. This is going to probably sound low for people, but like if I'm projecting, man, like I'd like to be anywhere between the 135 and 140 range. Like max. Interesting. Yeah. Um, and like maybe like there's people out there who know way more about the human body than I do that is like, dude, you're like operating on what too, way too low of a, I don't know, dude, like weight scale. I mean, that's like very healthy for someone who's like, five seven five eight you know mm-hmm. i'm not a, a super tall guy but dude i feel like i'm just comfortably lean enough where it's like i don't have a ton of body fat um i'm not emaciated um i'm just super light on my feet i feel like i've got a just even in my stomach like area like i feel like i've got a lightness that i don't feel if i'm at like 145 or something sure um that's interesting i've never i don't know i've never really heard the perspective of like uh i don't i just don't like think I don't know if I've ever stepped on a scale. Well, that's not true. I think I've stepped on a scale twice in the last year mm-hmm. and it was before and after a sauna session just because I was curious about how much weight, water weight you lose. But I just don't really think about like weight as long as I, as long as I'm like eating enough and feeling good. But, um, but like you, obviously you feel like it makes a, you know, if you feel like it makes a difference. For sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. I've just for better or worse, I've, I have a habit of looking at a scale and I pay attention to this. This started to really happen during like the single season white mountains guide project, man, Mm -hmm. where it's like, I'd look on the scale throughout the whole summer. And I mean, I would see my weight fluctuate and Mm -hmm. I know for sure, especially on that first attempt, I was under eating. Um, I probably wasn't consuming as, as much as I, as I needed. Um, and it was interesting to kind of correlate like how I was feeling with what my what my body weight was. Because like on that first summer, like and this was a little emaciated, like I dropped down to like one thirty one, mm-hmm. like one thirty, like I was super, super lean. And like in my head I'm like, Okay, this is great, like I'm able to just like bounce around but like I didn't have the kind of energy that I had when I was in like the mid one thirties, high one thirties, where sure. it's like I had a little bit of extra weight on me, but I was still super lean in terms of like body fat percentage, mm-hmm. but also like better fed all sure. around. And so I've kind of appreciated and looked at those nuances a little bit in my in my own sure. body. And um I know like if I'm about to step onto a project, it's like, yeah, dude, I'd like to be like, you know, just like a little trim, just yeah. like feeling like I'm I'm fit. I think that psychologically that also helps you pre-visualize what you're doing and also know that you're like I just like going into these projects man having outworked my self-doubt to a certain Mm -hmm. degree and a lot of that comes with putting in the time and and mileage and vertical on trail but also just like making sure you're not like overeating and Mm -hmm. like being just you know not keeping your goals in mind like we once you step off the trail and into your car and back into everyday life. It's like this whole kind sure. of like mental thing for me. Um, but it's also interesting to hear that like, that's something you've never taken into consideration. You yeah. Know? Well, I'm also, I don't know. I've, you know, I got into this game at 20. I'm 25 now. Like I, there's, there is, there is like a component of when you're in your early twenties, you don't really have to think about your metabolism very much because it just freaking goes. Mm-hmm. But but it does seem like I mean it seems like you know we're looking for the same thing. Is like you're you're looking for that that place where you're 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 healthy and you feel good. You're eating you know you're eating enough. Uh, you're like you're you're well nourished and you're and you're good. I I don't know just like healthy and feel good. 
and it seems like we're we just like measure that in a different way like sure. i just kind of go off vibes and like you lo- like to have a more uh concrete thing but i don't think there's anything wrong with that <laughs> it's and, interesting yeah and like make no mistake you know like I'm down for vibes, you know, like I'm down <laughs> to go off and, en- you know, energy and how you're feeling and all these things. But it, it is something that I've just looked at like, yeah. Um, over time, just like, Oh, okay. Like, is there some correlation here? Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, dude. Um, so, so you, you PR'd on, um, on what you said, mm-hmm. um, perhaps left some, 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 meat on the bone for the next time, you know, which I think is always good, especially a, a project that you're going to keep doing year to year. You sure. know, you don't want to just destroy it and then be like, shoot, what am I going to do next time? Right. Uh, right. So after that, uh, where does that, where does that leave you coming, coming into the summer? Right. So, um, really good first effort on what you sit, uh, to your point, definitely felt like there was something, remaining on the table there which is great i've always kind of said i i would really like to continue working on this project until i hit 40 in a day i think that would probably represent the high end of what Mm. i'm capable of at least right now um but yeah i came off that just like feeling good felt felt like there was a new standard established and um that was just kind of like pre-rec kind of tune-up for the next project which took place over the first couple days few days um of july and that was a project called the white mountains wilderness route and again one of these things that i dreamed up at some point over the last three years while i was working on the the white mountains guide we must have like talked about this as well at some point i'm sure we did talk about it but that was that was a question i had it's like how much how much of the of the White Mountains Wilderness Route came from you, like how, or even outside of the White Mountains Wilderness Route, how many of these projects that you thought up came from you hiking every single step of the Whites multiple seasons and being like, I've seen everything. Here's like all these ways that I'm thinking of connecting up these places and and not necessarily the places that like everyone's hiking. 90% of them do because <laughs> like the thing about the White Mountains Guide project is not only did it allow for just a lot of hiking time you know it was 2,000 miles per summer mm-hmm. so six grand over the last three or whatever but dude a lot of those miles were solo mm-hmm. fools didn't want to go out there with me <laughs> um so I was out there by myself in these spaces a ton of of just creativity being unlocked i was seeing the white mountains trail network in its entirety a snapshot of the entire white mountains trail network for three consecutive years your brain just starts going to these crazy places and Mm -hmm. and and one of the areas of the whites that i was always drawn to summer after summer working on this guidebook were the wilderness areas they felt different they looked different they were marked differently my experiences and the energy around them were different and you know you walk long enough and you just think and think and think and think and allow you know stay open and let these things kind of come to you all of a sudden it's just like huh i wonder if anybody's connected all six wilderness areas on foot i wonder if anybody's like thought about that what would that actually look like right and like as soon as that pops into my head at least it's like i get a little bit of a fucking adrenaline rush dude because especially (laughs) something like that it's so 
easy to understand. And mm -hmm. that's a big thing for me. Like working on the White Mountains Guide, trying to get that done in a season. Yeah, people saw it. They understood it. But it wasn't super duper relatable. Sure. Um, it was easy to understand, but there was a lot of gray area, a lot of question marks. Well, but like where, where do these, it's just, it's, it wasn't as simple as just saying I'm hiking all 48, 4,000 footers every month for 12 months. Sure. That's very easy for people to relate to and understand, not because they're out there doing it, but because conceptually it's just like, holy shit, dude. Yeah. I've done the 48 over a year. It's in, you know, yeah. um, the wilderness route was kind of falling in alignment with just a, a clean, classic, iconic project that was easy for people to understand. The metrics looked good. It was 115 miles, right around that 100-mile mark that everybody's obsessed with. Yeah. Healthy, healthy dose of vertical, I think 30,000 feet. Um, and, dude, you are weaving some of the most far-removed and also like sacred areas in in the white mountains together on foot as a premier route mm -hmm. that to me as soon as conceptually that started to like enter my dome i was like have to do it <laughs> absolutely have to do it jumped onto google did the usual obsession middle of the night on my phone like yo like fucking 20 pages deep in the Google search, like who's done what? What are these keywords? Like, is there anyone out there who's like done this or is thinking of this? Mm -hmm. um, ironically, as it turns out, somebody did hike a version like the week mm. before. Mm. Um, myself and Andrew and Declan went out to establish it. Um, there were some fundamental differences in, in, our, in our routes. Um, the, the, the biggest one being you know, we sort of traversed across all of the wilderness areas versus, you know, this person really taking some liberties in terms of like where they started, just kind of like running in and touching the wilderness area and just like coming back to the road and gotcha, like, gotcha. you know, just some technicalities. Um, yeah. But I mean, like through all my stuff, it was like, this is not something that people are like doing. This is not mm. something that people are conceiving of. Um, and so my God, man, it just, it was again, one of those things where as soon as I freed myself from the shackles of the <laughs> White Mountains Guide and I took a good long look at what that, you know, that notion template had in it, all of these project ideas, it, it was like, this is something that has to be attempted now, like this summer. Whether anybody was going to get it before me, what that would look like, or what, it was like, I would like to establish this route in a way that other people could look at it and feel like it was something worthwhile for them to consider for themselves mm -hmm. in the future, regardless of where their experience level is. And I stand by the fact that like, this is that route. I think it's going to take years for it to catch on, man. I mean, look at the diaratissima. Yeah. That shit's been in, in existence for, if you go back to the, the first guy who did it, I mean, I you think you're talking like well over two decades at this point, yeah, right? I believe it's the seventies. Seventies. Yeah. Right. So even more so, um, so you can only imagine how long it's going to take for something like this, especially, you know, wilderness areas. People are nervous. It's like, what, you know, what's going yeah, on yeah, out there? Yeah. It's not something that you would necessarily take on as a, as a beginner in the White Mountains. But, mm -hmm. um, dude, I, I truly believe that this is just like an incredible route. I mean, you start um, right on the main border um, in the Caribou Speckled Wilderness. It's like right uh, western Maine, eastern New Hampshire, mm -hmm. cross to the Wild River. Um, where do you go from there? I believe into the Great Gulf Wilderness, mm -hmm. um, which is like Pinkham Notch area, the Presidential Range, Dry River Wilderness, 
you go into the Pemigewasset Wilderness and then down to the Sandwich Range, which is where you end. Yeah. Um, and yeah, man, these are like incredible, like beautiful, remote areas of the White Mountains that like people do not see. You don't really access them hiking 4,000 footers. You don't mm-hmm. really access them working on any lists outside of the guidebook right you know um and you don't need to you don't need to be an ultra runner to do this stuff like um you know i get i get friends all the time asking me about just like good old backpacking routes in the white mountains and it's like you can send them to the hut traverse of the pemi loop if they want to do a a multi-day sort of just like backpacking trip but if you want to get off the beaten path and like i don't know people complain about how the whites are are crowded a lot i think and I think there's some validity to that if you're on Mount Washington or or even on, you know, most of the 4,000 footers. But sure. if you want an off the beaten path, 10 day backpacking trip, this would be a fantastic option. Oh my God, dude, it'd be amazing. And of course, like we, we were out there in a variety of styles. We did like the first 24 hours like unsupported and Mm -hmm. then Declan had to break off to get to work so you know we took advantage of that and he brought you know was bringing us food whatever um but you know we cruised through it in like 80 this like isn't impressive it's just you know it sounds fast like we got through it in like 84 85 hours you Mm -hmm. know just like going out every day hitting it um but you could literally run it supported as an ultra runner and get through it way quicker or you could go out as a backpacker and to your point taken on in 10 days dude and it would be like an incredible like backpacking trip like just as worthy as something like the diarotissima mm-hmm. um or any of the other like premier like backpacking route like just as worthy as the at through new hampshire or through vermont or through maine um a little bit of a different flavor way way less people um but dude something that i truly believe will will be something that is kind of sought after like in terms of people's the superlatives people go after like in the Mm -hmm. whites um i think we're just kind of like starting to lay the foundation right now but it will take you know it will take years well in terms of superlatives i think it's interesting like people are obsessed with the with the hundred mile distance but there's i mean in terms of the mainstream there's literally one route in the whites it's it's the whites 100 and even that is not really mainstream like the leaderboard is jack right uh and and christine and Fulsick. right um like those two it's that that's it mm-hmm. <laughs> like it's not like the the whites 100 doesn't have like a a storied history of lots of efforts and competition so i think more you know the whites are obviously a diverse enough place that there should be there should be more than 100 mile route there that people care about and i think this is a very this is a very good candidate like well, over the years we'll see what routes what rise to the top but um like this is a great candidate obviously white's 100 is like kind of the polar opposite like it's it is the at so it's probably like the most crowded terrain through but it's like a different experience you know absolutely um it's very interesting in the spirit of other people getting out and doing it if people are like oh man i want to do this route where can they find the details of it yeah jump onto my website i mean findingphilip.com um forward slash WMWR. There should be a link um, if you just land, if you go to my landing page. Um, 
don't mean to be a douchebag and like direct everybody to my personal website, but yeah, <laughs> I mean, this is where we have sort of the GPX files. So you can mm-hmm. see exactly what we did. Um, has a little bit of a breakdown of the route um, conceptually, but also like, you know, each particular segment, there's five different segments. So this is like a perfect through hike, man, really. Like we were just out there like, whatever, let's get through it quick. Let's establish this. Mm-hmm. Also knew that this is going to be something that I do probably time and time again in my life. Um but yeah, man, there's five segments. Like you can absolutely break this up in a very practical, like non-rushed kind of way. You don't need to go out there running. You don't need to go out there supported. Um, but you'll see a breakdown of all the segments, the elevation profiles, our GPX files from the actual traverse, some photos from the actual experience. Um, yeah, all that stuff is on findingphilip.com. And uh, just click on the tab that says WMWR. It's the White Mountains Wilderness route and if anybody out there is like seriously considering attempting it like also use me as a resource like just hit me up i'm easy to find um and i'd also at the very least love to know like that you've you've finished it because right now there's only been two finishers of the route that we we sort of uh we threw down myself and and andrew sawyers and um dude we gotta get every time we hang out like i feel like the idea comes up of a website where people can register their hikes on like various sort of niche routes in the whites. Like, mm. the, I mean, it's obvious, like you obviously don't need a, a website to keep track of like Prezi Traverse finishers, but sure. like, it would be really cool to have a website to keep a track of like Diaratissima finishers and mm. like, uh, wilderness route finishers and all this, all the, the, the more niche stuff where like a few enough people have done it where uh, a finishing list actually matters. Sure. Uh, I told you, man, my throughhikethewhites.com domain re- like like <laughs> like re-registers every year, and like in the moment it pisses me off because it's like a thirty it's thirty dollars out of uh, my account. Sure. But then I'm just like, someday. Well, we uh, let me. I think you're right, man. There's like, there's stuff that's happening out here that is extremely interesting from a conceptual standpoint, and also like stuff that probably isn't going to be acknowledged by like the big boys in the FKT world and mm-hmm. like the powers to be in the F- in the FKT world um because it is so niche it is so nuanced and oftentimes that stuff is overlooked espe- especially in northeast hiking culture um but it it is important man like that we kind of know how many people have hiked the Diaratissima. Yeah. I don't know what this route will become but it'd be cool to know how many people take that on it'd be cool to know how many people are thinking along these same lines and potentially creating their own noteworthy roots um, that, that are worth putting up on a website and, and, and keeping you mm-hmm. know track of and, and, and allowing other folks, man, like to access and to then be inspired. I mean, I think that's kind of what all this is about is just like keeping a list, putting it in a format where other people can access it and, and like build upon like that's the whole point is like expanding like the culture expanding like you know what you're already doing yourself and allowing it to kind of like move outward from your 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 beginning point but yeah i also took the i took the instagram handle through like the lights so we have that too oh shit really (laughs) yeah dude well okay like because my my idea or my thought at least was to just have a have an instagram page where 
people can register their diartisma hikes. You know what I'm what I'm kind of gripped about at this point, man. We might need to holler at your boy Xander for that legal advice. Like, is he the East <laughs> coming at our fucking door, dude? Like through hike the whites. Like, is that too close to ski the East? Like, are it's we gonna to get? Something. Yeah, are we gonna get the men in black suits showing up at the tiny house door at like two a.m. being like? we want your domain. Like, yeah. I, you know what I mean? Like, I, like Xander, are we, like, are we covered on this, man? Is this, is this a brand that we can pursue or like, are these fools going to come for our heads as well? Yeah, Xander, help us out. No, I love that. I love that you brought that up. Ski, like dunking on Ski the East is like red meat to the podcast audience. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. It's great stuff. Yeah. They love it. Well, but like, I'm actually half serious, man. No, it, you don't it's, think it's so far removed. I think, um, like, I think you get, it, it becomes dubious if it's ski the blank or blank the east. Heard. But I think if it's, if both words are different, I right. think we're probably fine. Okay. Yeah. Heard. Well, damn. Well, hopefully there's not like a, I mean, hike the whites is absolutely a thing. Yeah, it is. But it's probably fallen into that sort of like generic category that, right. you know, Xander kind of references, which is like, can anyone really own that sure. at this point? Like hike the whites. Right. Well, it's interesting because like, I haven't talked to Drummond, but I, as far as I know, he hasn't changed the name Run the Whites. And so I would assume mm. that he hasn't changed the name because it's safe, you know? Mm. Yeah, because, like, you'd probably just try to get two birds, one stone, right? Like, if right. that was an inevitable change, yeah. you might as well. And I, I think that the, again, not to rehash this whole ski that you think, but, like, the reason that they came after him was that they said that people were confusing the brands. Uh, they, they were, like, buying stuff from Ski the East and then, or, yeah, they were buying stuff from Ski the East and then returning it and saying, oh, I thought you were Ski the Whites. Like, there's no way that that's happening with Run the Whites. Like, they're too, they're too different. No one's confusing Run the Whites with Ski the East. So, like, I think it's fine. I mean... Drummond, correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah. But you definitely don't listen to this podcast. And I don't, I don't mean to be, like, an old cynical fuck. But, like, I mean... It, ski the East and Ski the Whites, to me, like, yeah. If you're, if you're purchasing a Ski the East, like, Ski the East memorabilia and expecting, like, Ski the Whites... Uh, stuff like i don't know in in your mailbox like there's some kind of a disconnect man like they they seem like like two different entities man (laughs) like maybe that's just me i don't have a foot in like this the northeast ski game but like goddamn, did you like really not like realize you stumbled upon like the wrong website entirely (laughs) like i don't know who am i who who are we but anyway shout out to andrew drummond amen my guy what a legend in the white mountains community man and that that response was just Full of maturity and and grace, far far more maturity and grace than I would have had in that in that scenario. I was gonna so, say Andrew was, Andrew was far more mature than uh, than we his uh, his fans were. <laughs> I think if like I think I would be embarrassed, man, if a lot of the community would have seen or would have been able to see, you know, the first few drafts of my story that I uh, worked <laughs> wor- worked through as I caught that news early on that. Uh, Early on that that chilly morning in New England where I was just ready to go completely like unhinged and just like, you know, make my my loyalty to like ski the whites like, yeah, and the White Mountains really in general, like kind of kind of known, but um, yep. for the best for the best. Um, yeah. So when was the wilderness route? 
uh, in the summer. Yeah, that was the first week of July. First week of July. Okay. Yeah. Wow. So you didn't take much time off between Watch You Sit and that. Gonna blame uh, the young, the young legend Winkle, aka Declan Kylie, for that. Um, <laughs> Winkle. Where does that come from? Uh, that's his uh, trail name. Oh, I didn't uh, from know that. the AT. The gentleman is a, a big, big fan of the REM sleep. Um, Love REM sleep. Yeah, a, a real big fan of just you know, probably staying asleep for a little bit longer mm-hmm. than he should in the morning, especially when you have like commitments with you know your friends to be places this and sounds to personal. be at <laughs> let's put it this way um this is all a joke declan and i laugh about this all the time now or like toward the end of the guidebook like when declan would come and meet me like this motherfucker i'd like turn into the parking lot and this dude would be like laid out next to his car in the grass like <laughs> just so he wasn't like asleep in the car or like asleep somewhere like he was just like making sure that he'd plant his body like right in the parking lot on the ground so that like i could see him wake him up make sure that he is where he said he's gonna be no it's just declan likes to sleep in it's a it's an ongoing joke but when he uh when he got his trail name on the at it was it was winkle we he's in my phone as rip van declan ah um rvd nice um and that that morphed into winkle yeah anyway um yeah, man, he's like uh, just an iconic server at um, Polly's Pancake Parlor in Franconia, New oh, Hampshire. Oh, I didn't know he worked there. Yeah, he's 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 become an icon of Polly's Pancake Parlor, <laughs> and in the summer months, it's very difficult for this gentleman to get time off. Yeah, and so <laughs> we had to uh, we pulled the trigger on the first week in July. It was extremely wet. Um, it was exceptionally hot and humid Mm -hmm. and obviously I was still kind of feeling like the watch you sit effort it just being a couple weeks prior. So, um, that was a tough one, dude. Like that was something we all struggled with. Um, like Andrew and and my feet, like totally, I mean, they were soaked for like three days, man. We had such a wet summer this year and, uh, it was really difficult the last couple of days. And this is actually something that happened on the 48th, this 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 time around the winter record man like literally i don't know if this has ever happened to you man but like after two or three days of your feet being soaked for 12 to 15 hours and you can't get that legitimate period of time after you get off your feet before you start the next day to like mm-hmm. have them dry out the feet just start like creasing in these really yeah. weird ways and they become cuts mm-hmm. and it starts feeling like you're fucking stepping on sandpaper and it gets to the point where it doesn't matter how much you lube your feet how much you switch your fucking socks out like there's something that's happened to the skin where it is like you're just slowly tearing your fucking and like we've got pictures of andrew's feet dude on both the white mountains wilderness route and mm-hmm. the new hampshire 48 shout out to andrew soars man because i really dude like we had a running joke like on the 48 he was like bro like i'm gonna get through this with you but like i'm deleting your fucking contact from my telephone <laughs> like as soon as he's like i don't want to hear about any more of your ideas out here this year dude <laughs> because like his feet got rocked on the wilderness route they like his literally our skin was getting Ugh. rubbed off and the same thing on the on the new hampshire 48 but um yeah, man, that was 115 miles. First week of uh, July, tough conditions. Declan had to bail. We started as a three-piece. Andrew and I finally finished, I think, in like 84 hours. Mm-hmm. Established the route. All the info is online, findingphilip.com. And again, it was just another really good stepping stone leading into what I was going to hope you know, would be a, a successful winter 48 record at the end of the year. Yep. Um, what was next? 
What was next? Oh, the Northeast Ultra 8. Yep. Um, so the Northeast Ultra 8 is, um, just for anybody that, that isn't familiar, is a uh, it's a list of eight trails that was curated by a gentleman by the name of Doug, Doug Duncan um, and Jim Wallace, some hikers out of the Adirondacks. And um, this list has kind of been dubbed like eight of the toughest trails in the Northeast. Um, they span from the Adirondacks to the to the Catskills, to the Berkshires, to the White Mountains. There's eight eight trails total. They total about 250, 260 miles, about 80,000 feet of climbing. Yep. Um, numbers actually similar to like a, a diuretissima, a yeah. White Mountains diuretissima. And um, yeah, man, like as I kind of alluded to earlier in the podcast, like no one had ever completed these hikes in eight consecutive days. And so like I've always had this dream, like... Mm-hmm. When I have some free time, once I get free from the from the guidebook, the White Mountains Guide, this would be the perfect project to take on because it's a huge first. It's a huge sort of like superlative, you know, that would really set the standard for all sort of like speed attempts after, you know, after after that 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 hike. Um, this list has done nothing but like grow in popularity over the years. It's got dozens and dozens of finishers. You notice if you look at like the the White Mountains culture even just like exclusively, like you see people going out for the Pemi Loop or the Mahusik Traverse. And when they get online afterwards, they're not just like saying like, oh dude, like, yeah, I got a Mahusik Traverse done today. I got a Pemi Loop done today. It's, I got a Pemi Loop done and this is number six out of eight for the Northeast Ultra 8. I got a Mahusik, you know, and this just fin, you know, just got eight out of eight for the Northeast Ultra 8. You could see that it's growing in popularity, that there is like this appeal there. Mm -hmm. And so for me, like, again, conceptually, it's like, you have to take note. Yeah. Like, what is the culture latching onto? What is the culture saying is important to them? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like the Northeast Ultra 8 on its own, it's like, eh, cool. Like maybe I'll get around to those, like never done any hiking in the Adirondacks or the Catskills. Like it's appealing from that standpoint. But then you start to look at it from not only the eyes of an endurance athlete, but also as an artist. And you look at what the community's reaction is and you say like, hmm, there's something here that is like relatable for these people. They're taking interest. Like, why don't you look a little bit deeper? And so then you look at all the traverses and you're like, yo, you know what? That looks sick. The Great Range Traverse, sick. Sick. Saranac 6, sick. (laughs) Even the Cranberry Lake, 50 miles around like Cranberry Lake and obscure like western adirondacks like sick like i'm kind of cool with that like majority you know, majority of the time you're in a wilderness area like i'm just kind of down and you pick it apart and you're like huh okay this is actually interesting how can i break ground on this project and you know one of the most obvious choices i think is like there's eight trails one long day. yeah like that would be respectable just doing them as day hikes can it be done in eight days yeah yes probably does the driving present an issue of course, but it's not something that's going to prevent me from getting the job done. I know that now because I've outworked all those doubts right. over the course of three years on yep. the White Mountains Guide project. And, um, you know, does it does it represent a mark of pioneership that is worthy of... I don't even want to put it this way, man, but like worthy of my attention. And the reason why I say worthy of my attention is because time is short. These These projects, these moments... These bursts of energy that we have to go pursue this stuff are so fleeting. You got to really be working on things that you care about. You got to be working on things that you think are going to genuinely move the needle forward in a meaningful and productive way. Mm. And when you look at this project, the Northeast Ultra 8, in 8, from that perspective, it's like, yep, 
like it checks all the boxes off man like this is a it seemed like a very worthy project and so yeah i guess to kind of make a long story short um end of september early october got a crazy window I got to give like a full presentation on this man. Cause you could, you know, you could, I mean, this is a presentation topic. This is a podcast yeah, topic yeah, on its for own. Sure. Um, I know you were gonna do that at the notch, but it ended up being, I think mostly about the winter. Well, yeah. I mean, I, it, makes sense. it, makes sense. it was like more pressing. you like, you just did it. Of course. Uh, but, but yes, I agree. Like this, the, the ultra eight in a week deserves like deserves talks of its own. And just because, like, we won't dwell on this later in the podcast at all, but, like, just touching on that, that is part of the performance art element, dude. I know this is going to be hard for people to connect, but, like, the entire kind of, like, month leading up to that talk for the Northeast Ultra 8, I knew we were going for the New Hampshire 48 winter record. I knew that if we had a window we would get the record just because I know what Andrew's capable of. I know what I'm capable of. Yeah. And I knew that we'd be walking into that talk and giving a presentation that nobody there as, as audience members was really ready for or expecting. Right. And in knowing that the entire time, it felt like there was this ongoing sort of like this performative energy, man, where you felt like, yo, I got surprised. Like these people had, think that they know what they're walking into and they think that they know what they're witnessing, but they are part of this like much larger theatrical event, which is like the taking on of these projects, the pressing through in a, in a, in a, in an endurance capacity, but then also like sharing the creative and bringing the audience in as like a part of the entire experience. And we were like playing with the audience, like, all the way up until <laughs> you know the second they were you know in their seats and they saw me put the title screen on and it said winter new hampshire 48 not northeast ultra eight not yeah. like adirondack you know it was like it's like that's cool man and it's fun and it's a different yeah. way of, like of, of of looking at this stuff um but uh yeah man it was a great project i ended up finishing in something like um i i got all eight all northeast ultra eight trails um it was about 200 i think like 60 miles of hiking mm-hmm. close to 80,000 feet of climbing i drove 700 miles throughout the Jesus. entire yeah, it was fucking insane dude <laughs> um the, the the wildest day being being a two-hour drive in the morning from the catskills to the berkshires a 38 mile hike one way um on the tectonic crest trail and then a six-hour drive between getting back to my car and the actual drive time to the notch, like back to the White Mountains, like yeah. all in this one 24-hour period. And like by the time I was like on that last couple hours going up to the Whites, man, because like I needed to get on the pre- the Prezi Traverse. Right. I, I needed to get on something that next day, obviously. Right. Um, and there was no way that I could really sleep anywhere else. Like I wanted to get to the White Mountains that night. Yeah. And um, those last couple hours, dude, I mean, it was like a fucking game of Tetris on the highway. Yeah. I felt like I was just <laughs> not in my right mind. You know what I mean? Sure. Like, um, which became this element of the project that I think a lot of people don't really take into consideration, especially when you're operating on a very sort of like um, self-supported kind of basis. You're driving yourself for the most part like, dude, you got to get to these places. You got to yeah. get from one to the other. You have to be behind the wheel. 
you're dealing with different like cognitive abilities like as you are getting more and more sleep deprived and it absolutely becomes part of the project um or part of you know one of the one of the difficulties that you're facing and needing to navigate during the project mm -hmm. um but was happy with it man i think it was like seven days 13 hours um for yeah all all eight all eight uh trails on the northeast ultra eight and I, I think you've said all of the names like throughout talking about it but just to give the people sort of concrete anyone who hasn't heard of it just like in order of uh in order of the trails you did just like list off the trails so people you know i'm sure if people hike mostly in the Adirondacks, they've probably heard of half of them and right. people in the whites have heard of half of them, but just like to give people an idea. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, so I started with the Cranberry Lake. Um, Cranberry Lake 50, I guess is what it's called. It's yep. 50 mile circumnavigation of Cranberry Lake. Um, drove eastward and hiked the Saranac 6, which is six different peaks yep. surrounding Saranac Lake. Uh, continued to drive eastward and hike the Great Range Traverse, um, which is, yeah, basically like a, a, a horseshoe-type uh, traverse of the Great Range in the Adirondacks. Then drove down to the Catskill Mountains, about two and a half hours south, uh, to a traverse called the Devil's Path. Um, then drove further east to the Berkshire Mountains, the Tectonic Crest Trail, that's about 38 miles um, and then from there drove, you know, northeast to the White Mountains and the final three traverses were in the Whites themselves. I started with a presidential traverse the very next day, went to the Mahusik, did the Mahusik traverse. And then the very last day I did these just straight up standard penny loop. Yeah. Um, yeah. All in succession, one after the other, um, driving in between. And I mean, like any one of those trails are incredible and worthwhile in their own right to couple them together in such a short period of time like again man it just definitely felt like that was a huge step forward mm -hmm. in terms of what had been done on that list you know and it was a worthy pursuit um in terms of like okay what am i going to take on like immediately after you know finishing this guidebook project if you're going to swing on four to six projects this year what are the ones that need to happen now before anyone else takes them on before whatever and that was like yo can't not going to take that on like right off the rip going to definitely build up through the summer and get some legs underneath me but like that was one that without a doubt was going to happen for sure either way um and now i know that like with a driver and stuff it can happen under seven days you know mm -hmm. i think you got to mm -hmm. kind of combine that last day you got to basically drive from the berkshires have a driver take you directly from the berkshires to the mahusik traverse yeah start that Mahusik Traverse early enough where you finish and around midnight on that last day, you can, you can start and do a, a calendar day Penny Prezi, um, gotcha. yeah, which, yeah, yeah. you know, I mean, I've got a unique perspective. I've, I've done that once in the winter mm -hmm. calendar day Penny Prezi. So like, obviously no, it can be done. Yeah. I would have had the leg to do it, man, on this particular run of the project, but, um, <laughs> tropical depression, Felipe, ironically <laughs> moved into the area like literally on the last day yeah and it actually like filled me with a lot of anxiety dude like i haven't really felt anxiety while hiking like that in a mm. while because it was like i mean dude that was the day you guys started bubba's yeah so like you guys were out there in that torrential shit and i'm just like fuck dude like <laughs> i'm like up here on the you know what i mean it was it was uncomfortable for a bit yeah um but it wasn't practical to think that i was going to do a pemi and a prezi in that day sure. and that became clear like 
as soon as we saw the trajectory of the storm. Yeah. Um, but with the driver, man, and you're able to like sleep on these drives and stuff, like I think this stuff can be done in under seven days. And I mean, like if I were able to get it under seven days, like, I mean, that'd be it for me. I don't need to do it any faster. I think that's as much of a statement as I need to make. Yeah. Um, but you made a pretty good statement already. Yeah. Yeah. Not, <laughs> not bad for the first swing, but as you know, man, like you get more dialed in as you, yeah. as you go that's a true. little bit, a little bit deeper on this stuff. Yep. So, um, you know, moving, moving forward from the Northeast Ultra Eight, that was in uh, in late September, early October. Mm-hmm. Um, you're now transitioning to thinking about the Winter Forty Eight. Uh, had this, so uh, the way you've been talking, it sounds like the Winter Forty Eight was in the plan basically the whole year. Oh yeah, and um, what was what was your guys? I guess we'll talk about the winter 48. We'll at some point in here, I'm sure we'll divert into like winter effort. Cause anyone who listened to the last podcast episode knows that, uh, <laughs> that I have some thoughts about, about winter efforts too. Yes. Um, what went into, what went into the decision-making of, I want to do the winter 48. How do you guys figure out what time of year you wanted to do it? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and what did the what did the prep look like? Was it always going to be a team effort with Andrew? Um, yeah, talk to me about about sort of the formation of this idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I love it. Um, I mean, when I was working on the single year grid, I saw Jason, Leah, and Andrew set the time that we were we were competing with, which was self supported. Um, they got it in six days, twenty one hours, and. For any people, for anybody out there who is starting to put two and two together, Andrew, um, who is my hiking partner on this particular project, already held the record when yeah. when we started. So that to me needs to be needs to be noted. This man had nothing to prove. This man was <laughs> seriously, like, legitimately, genuinely out there, truly to just to see just see what he could do, man. Five years later, yeah. But I remember watching them set that the year that I was doing the single year grid, and I didn't feel like I wanted to go out and challenge their time or anything. I was working on my own shit, but I thought to myself, man, like I want to get on that level. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. I want to be going after stuff that feels that hard. And I was super fucking impressed with what they did. And for the last several years, I kind of haphazardly look at the record mostly in the month of March and say, you know what? I'm going to be pretty fit by this point in the winter, just getting out, have my winter legs underneath me, living at the notch, having access to all these hills. If there's a window there, I'm going to take it. Because I always felt like if you could get a window in March where you didn't have a lot of storm activity beforehand, you had gone through like a weekend or two where people had gone out and like packed down all the trails, mm-hmm. like in combination with a little bit more daylight and like hypothetically a little bit better temperature, mm-hmm. it kind of would be the time to fucking rip on these trails. Sure. The problem is like I really have not seen a great window in the last several marches that have gone by just kind of casually looking and paying attention and maybe kind of putting myself in a position where like if i saw something i'd consider pulling a trigger on it right so you know during this time i'm also kind of like talking to andrew like yo like dude would you be interested in like a march attempt like where are you at you know and we kind of just very casually discuss it um this year the approach became a lot more serious. The conversation became a little bit more serious. 
And the idea that like, if we were going to do it, um, the idea that if we were going to do it, we were going to execute like as soon as the winter kind of hit became kind of like the foundation for everything. We weren't going to wait. Mm -hmm. um, when Jason, Leah and Andrew went out and got their round of the winter 48, they went out the exact same time of year. They started the day after Christmas. So they mm -hmm. were a couple of days after us. But fundamentally, we were kind of leaning on this idea that like, yo, the play is not like wait for a window in March. And then if you don't get it, you've wasted a whole winter. The play is go out when you could probably argue that there's going to be not even minimal snowpack, man, because we usually have plenty of fucking snow out here, like by, by late December, but mm -hmm. don't have so much snow where, you know, during the single year grid, dude, like come March, there was so much snow that you were up in the fucking trees. I know. Like yeah. you were getting yeah, yeah. your face ripped off by, it was just, that's not the way to go about a speed record. Yeah. Um, in my opinion, I, a winter yeah. speed record like that, that, you know, that's, too much um so yeah from the rip man this year it was always just like let's fucking go for it are you willing to give up christmas with your family yes are you yes great <laughs> let's not wait till after christmas let's go december 22nd um andrew dude he had a great year i think going into the attempt he had like 224 k's underneath his belt you know um, he, like on the year, no, he's no, been no, out yeah, there yeah. doing his fucking thing. He's like very confident as I think a, a runner and a hiker right now. Um, I had like a decent year. I was like 2000 miles and whatever, 500,000 feet, like going into the project, which is like on the lower end for me, like having done these long distance, these like multi-month long distance projects right. each year before this. Um, but still, I mean, that's like a really great base to have oh, going into sure. a pro yeah, going into a project like this. And it was just like the closer and closer we got to it, it was just like, are you in? Are you in? Are you in? Are you in? Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> and um, dude, like we were both like very committed and we were both willing to take whatever conditions were going to be dealt to us um, in that first week of winter. Mm -hmm. Now, we had no way of knowing like what was going to happen was going to happen which was that we got six inches of rain yeah. days before we started the attempt yeah. andrew and i were on musalak that sunday the sunday before we started we started on a friday mm -hmm. and we both looked at each other and we said dude <laughs> it's really too bad that like conditions are going to be like so significantly changed between now and the day that we attempt because mm -hmm. we really felt like the snowpack on that day was fucking fast dude Interesting. like we ripped down musalak man and it was clean and yeah. it was everything was filled in and you know it wasn't you know feet of snow but dude it felt like trails were primed up and mm -hmm. it was just a matter of seeing how the rain was gonna you know affect affect the conditions and i don't want to get like you know too too far ahead but that was kind of the mindset man like we're willing to go in and we're willing to try in a similar time frame that the previous record holders had tried um, with a schedule that would put us roughly a day up. Like both Andrew and I said multiple times, like if this is going to take us more than six days, like we're just going to quit. <laughs> Dude. Even if you're going to get the record. Yeah. And that's what his, like he, and he confessed to me out there. He was like, Dude, 
I almost quit at one point toward the end of like the self-supported record because it looked for a second like we weren't going to get under seven days. Mm. And that sounds crazy, but like Andrew's a certified fucking wild man, dude. <laughs> like he will make that mark in his head and he'll stick to it, dude. And like I kind of said the same. It was like, dude, no, we want to we wanna make a... We, yeah, we want to get in a day a day earlier. Like, like we want to get a day under at least. Um, yes, it must sound it must sound extreme to most people. Like, okay, we we're gonna quit if we were like gonna go over six days. But we knew what we were capable of, mm-hmm. and we really, really, really wanted to give a convincing effort. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of what the mindset was, man, for us. Like, leading into the attempt. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it was all or nothing. We were taking the conditions for what they were. Um, I mean, I think if that six inches of rain were six, where the equip was the equivalent in snow, which would be like what, dude? Like six feet? Yeah, I'd be something. Don't they say like an inch of rain is like a foot of snow? It's either or an inch or two inches, but it's still like okay. a ludicrous conversion. I mean, I think that at that point <laughs> it would have been futile, and the other, you know, like I don't know that we could have waded through all that yeah. fresh snow and legitimately made time. Yeah. Um, but that was the mindset, man. It's been a multi-year thought process for us. This entire year, we've bounced back and back and forth every other month. Like, you in, you in. Fuck Christmas. Like, <laughs> yo, you know, and like Christmas is important in my family. But like, we're just like, let's just rip on it. Try to finish the year strong and see where we end up. And that was the inspiration and kind of the impetus behind, yeah, going out and, and swinging on this thing in the way that we did. Yeah. Okay, so I think we'll talk about the details of the record. This might be a good time to go down the rabbit hole of uh, our different sort of opinions on on winter efforts. Sure. Uh, for anyone who like hasn't listened to the last episode, basically what Xander and I talked about is you know when I did the hot traverse, I, w- I was out there doing my winter hot traverse FKT the same time these guys were out here doing the forty eight, uh, which I think makes this conversation very interesting because mm-hmm. we uh, have I think had had very different perceptions of the same conditions. Um, I kind of like, I'm also comparing this year mostly to my first attempt at the, at the, uh, or my first like completion of the winter hut traverse, which was in March of 2021. And it was like much like the March conditions you were describing, which Mm -hmm. is like, like, uh, A to Z trail was just gone. Madison, not Madison golf. Uh, Osgood was like knee deep and, like everything between Gio and Lafayette was just like pushing through treetops. There was sure. basically no trail. Sure. Um, I felt like the conditions certainly weren't easy. Like they were, it was, it was bullshitty conditions. Cause there was just like rocks and then dirt and then ice and then snow. Like it was very varied and you never really knew what would be around the next corner. You sure. know, like it wasn't like, Oh, under, under 2,500 feet, it's all dirt. Like no, under 2,500 feet, it's, two-thirds dirt, one-third ice, <laughs> like, uh, and that ends up being, like, really hard on your feet, hard on your, on your legs, um, but I was sort of left with, like, what is, what is the, what is sort of, like, the ideal behind a, a winter speed record, because I felt like, okay, the, you know, the, my the winter hot traverse is definitely way slower under like deep winter like march lots of snow conditions it's a lot faster under the sort of conditions we had this year and i was like 
like really what I'm looking for, the ideal winter hut traverse would just be like March 21st comes around and there's no snow. Like that's what you're hoping for. Um, and so my, my sort of, uh, my sort of thesis coming out of that <laughs> was, I don't, I don't know if, if winter speed records are, I don't know if they're worth it. And I just set one. <laughs> right, <laughs> so it's like, right, it's right. hard. It's hard. And I, that's, again, I want to make it super clear. I'm not taking away anything from what you guys uh, did. Of it course. Was super fucking course, hard and dude. impressive. Of course. Um, I just like, yeah, working through those thoughts of like, what is, what is sort of the, the ethos behind a winter, a, behind a hard winter effort? Like are, is it, is it to get the fastest time between two dates or is it to try to find the most summary conditions or like what, what are your thoughts on it? And also, um, you know, I thought, I thought my perception of the conditions when I was out there, at least on the strip of trail that I was on, which is the hut traverse mm -hmm. was that it was, it was hard on the body, but very fast conditions. Mm -hmm. What was your perception of the, of the conditions based on the, on the terrain you guys were on, because uh, like the whites is is a varied place in terms of terrain. And what are sort of your thoughts on on winter efforts? Dude, I have a lot to say about this, <laughs> um, and I'm gonna try to keep it super concise. And I need you to kind of guide me if I get if I get too sort of like off off the rails or whatever. And I want to answer your questions and what have you. All right. Um, I want to preface this, and this is more just like giving the audience some context. Like when I completed. This latest round of the 48, the winter 48, where we took the record, it was my sixth winter round of mm -hmm. the New Hampshire 48. Um, I've completed now like a single season winter, a double single season winter, and a triple single season winter. I've completed projects like the winter calendar day Pemi Prezi. I've yo-yoed the Kangamangus in, in the winter months, the Kangamangus Highway. So I feel like for sure... Like between 2018, 19, and now, I have seen almost every version of winter in the White Mountains that we can kind of experience sure. from stuff that is super, super heavy, unprecedented, quintessential sort of Arctic winter that we envision the White Mountains to have all the time when yeah. we say winter, um, working on the the single year grid, that 18, 19, that was a crazy winter, to something closer to now where maybe we're dealing with a snowpack that isn't as isn't as deep and is and is more more varied in terms of the true conditions that that it is comprised of right so it's not just snow out there to your point there's different varieties of of ice there's some choppy rocks and roots um my, my first comment is that like you cannot possibly hold like this idea of like what winter is especially in the white mountains to any real high specific standard because it is mm. so varied year to year will continue to be varied the way mm. that we are experiencing different kinds of climate change throughout the country we're seeing that 100 percent here in the white mountains for sure and also because like it is very surface level thinking to say that the only metric by which we can accurately measure winter in the White Mountains or otherwise, is like snow depth. Sure. That That is very, very sort of surface level. And what I mean by that is you have to look at, first and foremost, just 
length of day. There's no daylight out there right now. That mm-hmm. is something exclusive to the winter months. I don't care where the fuck you are. <laughs> In the Northeast, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, you're also looking at temperature. Now, I agree. Temperatures weren't subarctic during your attempt mm-hmm. or during my attempt. But just because I've traveled across Mount Washington in negative 10, negative 20 degrees doesn't mean I need to be in those exact conditions on all of my future winter projects to make me feel like I went through a winter experience sure. out there, you know? Um, so, so those are some, some also sort of initial thoughts. Like we talked about this on trail today. When you deal with individuals such as yourself, such as Xander, even like you know, I'll throw my name in there. You're, you're dealing with individuals who have seen, done, and experienced so much, who have seen the depths, the extremes of both seasons. Mm-hmm. We tend to set this bar super high in terms of like, well, that's not really winter, you know? <laughs> and like, and I understand it, like visibly and, and like even speed-wise, pace-wise, like, yes, there's differences, dude. Like the trail, you move differently on trails the way that they are now than, than the way that they were when you were out doing your first attempts on the, on the hut to hut. But, but you're also talking about an environment where you are like operating in temperatures that are, you know, single digits, teens, twenties. That's very cold. That's winter for most fucking people. Mm -hmm. You're on snow or ice 80 to 90% of the time, especially like at times ice that is like, slower to travel on than you would have if it was just like a beautifully groomed single track like through through the snow um it creates additional forms of resistance you might not appreciate or expect having not been in like on that on that stuff before well i mean the spot that comes to mind is coming off the north side of garfield like holy that was that did you guys hit that dude holy shit dude (laughs) it was just it was laughable yeah and when we would go on and we would read these comments online, because there were a few, mm-hmm. what winter? Like, you know, is there even any snow up there? It's like, <laughs> you got, like, we saw those not as like educated critiques on what we were doing and experiencing, but we saw those as like pretty much like, we saw that as commentary from like the casuals, man, that had mm. absolutely no idea how much fucking time it would take for you to even traverse that quarter mile going over the north side of Garfield and not break your leg yeah. or your, <laughs> like, dude, it is very, very slow. And I'm not saying like all of the conditions were like that. I'm not saying that there weren't sections, man, where we were cruising through, um, you know, sections that we were cruising through where we would we should we should have been like moving much slower, mm-hmm. right? Section from North Carter over to Mariah. Typically, mm-hmm. that's like untracked, unbroken. It was very icy. It was very slow, but we weren't breaking any trail. Right. The sleepers going over the Kate Sleeper Trail, connecting right. the Tri Pyramids yeah, yeah. to Whiteface Pass of Conway. That was like pretty easy going compared to what it should have been, which is like you know deep, you know deep knee deep waist deep snow Mm -hmm. in snowshoes but then there were other sections that were so impossibly slow man all right that is it for this week's episode tune in to the next episode for the second half of my conversation with philip